Jim handed me three of them that I want to uh, share with you. And then, of course, uh, I pray that you've had a blessed day. I had the opportunity to uh, visit with my parents today in Tishomingo, and that's where I was this morning. Uh, many of the uh, folks who went on the Lance to Leaders trip that I, from whom I have heard um, things went well, uh, and I'm sure you'll get a report on that uh, at a later time. But uh, many of them are back tonight, and others may have gone other places, but we are delighted that you have decided to make it a part of uh, your day to be in Bible class. Now, uh, Lord willing, of course, there's a class going on in the annex uh, right now as well. Um, for at the end of... Um, our plan, or our goal rather, is to continue those classes through April, and then the curriculum, and I'll say a little more about that in a couple of weeks, Lord willing, and try to get more copies out if you've not seen one, the five-year curriculum to start with classes that will begin in the next uh, academic quarter, which will start the 1st of May. There'll be one here in the annex and one in, or in the auditorium and one in the annex on Sunday, as well as one here and there on Wednesday, um, and I'm looking forward to that. I have so I have four more Sundays to finish uh, our study here in Psalm 119, and we're get, we're going to get pretty close um, with what we have done. But as we begin tonight, first a couple of announcements. The um, 
in the uh, bulletin, the golden circle, the uh, Tuscumbia Florence day trip um, is changed from August the 16th to uh, August. Did I say At least I caught that. April the 16th to Saturday, April the 17th. Okay. Saturday, April the 17th. So uh, keep that in mind. And then the Golden Circle trip to the Biblical History Center and other attractions in LaGrange, Georgia area has been finalized. A copy of the itinerary is in the lobby. A sign-up sheet showing the total cost is also in the lobby. If you plan to participate on this trip, please sign the sheet in the lobby. This is a three-day, two-night trip leaving Thursday, uh, April the 29th. So if you have questions, please see Jim or Janita. Um, so let me make sure I clarified that the August, the April 16th uh, Tuscumbia Florence Day trip has moved to the 17th, and then the um, trip April 29th through May the 1st has been finalized. And then the Fried Hardeman Associates will meet this Thursday night at 7 p.m. in the Annex. All current and prospective associate members are encouraged to attend. And I have one personal question, uh, just out of curiosity. What, how... Do, What's the age you have to be to get in the Golden Circle? 55. 55. I'm almost old enough. I'll just, I, uh, I'm going to leave that alone. I'm old enough. Okay. But I'd be, uh, I'd be a rookie member. I'd be uh, one of the young ones. Okay. So thank you for coming. I hope you've got your Bible open to Psalm 119. We're going to look at verses 113 through 120 uh, today. And let's begin with a word of prayer. Our most gracious and holy Heavenly Father, we are so mindful of your goodness and your grace. We are thankful for the opportunity that you have given us to serve you and to be here tonight. Thank you, Father, for allowing uh, our group, a group of us, to go and be a part of the Lads to Leaders Convention in Little Rock. Thank you for bringing them home safely, and we pray if there are those still traveling that you will be with them. Father, please be with all of those on our sick list and in our hearts and on our minds who need you this hour. And as we open your truth, May we do so mindful that you have something to say to us as we read it, as we meditate on it, as we consider what it means for our lives, the lives that we should give in sacrifice and service to you every day. In your son's name, we humbly pray. Amen. Okay, now, if you've been keeping up, you might notice and say, oh, wait a minute, uh, you skipped a section. I did skip the section uh, from 100... from 105 down to 112, and I did that on purpose because my nephew Michael, that was the text that he used uh, when he was here. So we're going over that, skipping over that, and starting here with this particular text. Okay, so as we think about this text, this section of Scripture, these eight verses, as we think about, remember, this Psalm 119, this song, as it is uh, laid out for us, 
gives us a, a view of God's truth. It gives us a perspective. As we think about uh, the, the writer, most likely David, the singer, most likely David, this was a song. It's got that poetical flow. There's a message there. And the message is singular in its nature. God's word is not only powerful, it's not only from God, but there are so many ways to understand how the word of God affects us, strengthens us, moves us. And that's what we're looking at as we look at these sections. And so in this particular section, I want to start by reading... Not all of it, but I want us to read the first verse of this section, 113. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Now, look at the end of verse 13, or verse 113. I love your law. Now, I automatically think of what you and I, what Moses said to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy. What we are told, and Jesus was repeating that when he spoke in Matthew 22, and he said, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul and all of your mind. Love God with everything. Here, David helps us understand that to know God, knowing God comes through his word. Serving God comes through his word, especially for us. And loving God means loving his word. And David says, I love the Word of God. So as you and I look through this section of Scripture, verses 113 through 120, I want us to notice things about the Word of God that cause us to love it. I love the Word of God because some particular perspectives or some particular attributes, whatever word you choose, I suppose there are several, about the Word of God. God's truth. Well, first of all, I love the Word of God because its stability guards my heart and my soul. We just read those two verses. And I put it up there this time the way it is seen uh, in most texts with that rhythmic flow of a lyrical poem. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your Word. Okay, I love the Word of God. Because of its stability, guards my heart and my soul. My heart, spiritual heart, my soul, that which is eternal, I know it has to be guarded because I'm told in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8 that we all have an enemy, right? That enemy wants to devour us. Uh, if you are devoured, then you are no more. And so therefore, I have to guard. The, the Word of God guards it. But it's stability. What is stability? Not a trick question. We'll try to do a better job of listening tonight. What's stability? Stable? Well, what is stable? Now listen, you like that dictionary that I look up and it gives me another word. What does that mean, stable, in your own words? Say that again. Unmovable? Steadfast? You know, when I think of, and I will tell, if I've told you this before, forgive me, but you have the good fortune or the misfortune of having the dumbest Bible teacher on planet Earth because I only know one way to explain things, and that's super simple. I remember, I used to go fishing with my grandfather a lot, and we would go when the waterway opened. He was the happiest fellow on the planet because he didn't have to go as far to find a body of water. We would go to McDougal Branch 
off uh, up in Dennis. Um, we would go, and I'll, I'll never forget that I went to the truck to get something or put something. I don't remember what it was, but I'm headed back. And my grandfather was one of these fellows that uh, um, he was not very happy if you forgot. That's what it was. I forgot something because you're cutting into his fishing time. So the words, hurry up, boy. Uh, I heard those. So I'm, I'm headed back and I'm in a hurry. If you've ever been to McDougal Branch, I'd never been to that side at that time. He just went around and tied up to the wharf. You know what that is, right? You know where I'm going with this? The pier was bolted to the ground, as you say. It was in the earth. But you know what that wharf was, right? It was floating. Well, I went tearing down through there and went across that pier, flip, 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 and didn't move until I hit that thing, and suddenly that thing I was standing on wasn't stable. It was doing this. And I almost ended up in the waterway because my feet were firm under me until suddenly they weren't. Okay, now, you may find that unhelpful at all, but here, listen to what David says. I love your law. You are my hiding place. I hope in your word. I hate the double-minded. The stability of the word of God is what guards me. Let's think about double-minded. Let's think about the idea. This Hebrew word, double-minded, literally means a person of a divided mind, um, destitute of a firm faith. Uh, this is my favorite part of the definition. Uh, driven hither and thither. Driven hither and thither. Now, do you know what a hither and a, a thither is? Uh, driven here and yonder, we would say, uh, for those of you who uh, need that broken. A skeptic, a doubter. And that's going to take us to James chapter 1 in just a second. But think about this for a second. The idea of being double-minded, what are we... There's an old southern word for that. Oh, don't be... It starts with a W. Don't be wishy... Wishy what? Well, what is a wishy-washy person? One way, one minute, another way, the next, what'd you say? Oh, flies away, the wind blows. Makes me think of uh, an old uh, uh, term I've heard. Anybody's dog... What? Anybody's dog going to hunt with him. Now, you've heard, okay, we can't be that way spiritually. And think about what David said, I hate the double-minded. That word hate, by the way, we need to make sure um, that we clarify that. That word hate is not the idea of hate that Jesus talked about when he said, you've been told to love your uh, uh, neighbor but hate your enemy. But I tell you that he who hates his we're not to hate. That's not the word. That word hate there, that meaning means you can, that's an enemy to you. That person is behaving in such a way that that is an enemy uh, to you. Uh, it, it's odious. Don't you love it when the dictionary gives you a big word? You know what odious is? It smells so bad you can't stand it. It's hateful because of its odor. It's hateful because of... I just I don't want to look at it. So David said, that's how I feel about the double-minded. But I love your word. You're my hiding place. You're my shield. The stability of the word of God prevents me from being wishy-washy spiritually. It keeps me grounded spiritually. And that's why I love it. Let's think about James chapter 4. And I invite you to turn, and some of you are, quote, 
Well, okay, let's go to James 1 first then. We were going there. I'm just messing with you. I meant to say James 1 to begin with, actually. Um, Did you say 8? It is 8. Let's back up and look at verse... Verse 6, let him ask in faith with no doubting, but, no, but the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven uh, and tossed by the wind. There's that instability. For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded. And a double-minded man is unstable. Okay, think about that just for a second. David said... I cannot stand the double-minded. It wasn't because he was judging. It's saying, I, that's dangerous. That leads me away from, but I love your law. Why? Because it isn't unstable. It isn't wishy-washy. It isn't double-minded. Now, let's go to James 4. Why we're in James. No, went too far. And look at verses 7 and 8. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, it's interesting, these two. Imagine these being read without the verses. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's the, it's the same word. Purify your heart, you double-minded. You have to be fixed on your, your, not only your faith, but your determination. You have to be fixed on your understanding and your application and your living of the Word of God. And David said, I love your law because it's stable. As long as I'm fixed in the Word of God, that makes me think of Galatians 1. It makes me think of Galatians 1, 7, and 8, uh, where, uh, or 6 and 7. I marvel that you are so soon removed. From what? Unto another gospel. But what does he say then? Which is not another gospel. See, I marvel that you are so soon removed from the gospel that you... But then he said, wait a minute. The gospel didn't move. There's not another gospel. The gospel is firm. The gospel is stable. It's not another gospel. What happened is you perverted. You've changed. You've moved. So the point of this is, as long as I stay on that which is stable, on that which is fixed, on that which never moves the gospel, then that's where I'm going to be. But I want to finish this thought here. I love the Word of God because its stability guards my heart and soul. It prevents me from being double-minded. It prevents me from being carried here and there. But also, you're my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your words, you're my hiding place and my shield. Think for a second about, it gives me stability because I can stand behind and stand under when I'm being attacked. When I'm being pelted, you know, what was it that uh, Paul, Paul referred to Satan's efforts as fiery darts, flaming arrows. Okay. You ever seen a, anybody ever seen an old, uh, any kind of old movie that had soldiers in it with uh, shields and they would shoot those arrows? Anybody? 
Yes, no? Okay, a few. Now, what did those soldiers usually do when the other side, the enemy, shot those arrows? Did they all go, oh, that's pretty. What'd they do? Did they run? Some of them did, but what'd they usually do? Before they shot back, they did... They held up their what? Their shield. Okay, and so I want us to talk about that just for a second. He said, you are my hiding place in my shield. It doesn't move, okay? Reminds me of when I was, this weather of late has, um, it's been raining a few times. Fortunately, on my outside on car duty, it hasn't been raining uh, at that moment. I've always expected it. But it reminds me, and I've probably told you this, seems like I have, it reminds me of when I was on duty right over here uh, in the horseshoe at Boonville. If you teach over there or have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, out there, and it was pouring down rain. And it started when I was out there. And so I sent this kid, I, I said, go to the office. I knew there was an umbrella there. I said, go get an umbrella out of the office for me. Hurry, okay? This kid comes back, and before I looked down, I heard him say, don't get mad at me, I didn't do this. They made me. When a kid leads with that, you know something interesting is about to happen. Okay, and then I had this umbrella about that long, and it was pink. And it unfolded to about that width. So I unfolded it. In fact, what's interesting, where's Dale? It, Dale came through that line and saw me in that and said, dude, you got to have another umbrella, and brought me the same umbrella I've still got today. Uh... I'll never forget that. I had forgotten that till just now. So I'm out there under this umbrella. It's not protecting me at all. And then I noticed about six female teachers are looking through the blinds, waving at me and laughing. That was no help to me at all. Now, why did I tell you that? Because the word shield here, I want you to think about this, and then we're going to go to Psalm 91 if you want to turn over there. Psalm 91 and verse 4. Hold your finger here. This word shield in the Hebrew, means the small one. It means a buckler. Now, for us, that doesn't mean much, Tommy, a buckler. It has the idea, um, but I want to come back to this in just a second. I want to hold here. And I want us to read Psalm 94, I'm sorry, Psalm 91 and verse 4. Who's got it? Right there, close. Please. Now, he will cover you with his pinions. That's that strong part of the wing. Uh, and, and, and cover you with, your wing, with his wings. His, what? His faithfulness is your shield and buckler. Is that what it says? Now, I, when I first studied that verse for a sermon a long time ago, I looked up those two words in the Hebrew very quickly, and I got confused. I wrote them down. It said the word shield meant a shield. I thought, okay, I got that. It said the word buckler means a shield. Then I thought, wait, so Psalm 91.4 says he will cover you with his shield and his shield? Or his faithfulness will be your shield and your shield. That makes no sense. Then I dug deeper, and it makes perfect sense. You know those archers or those soldiers who are under attack, that long shield they've got, that shield for the out attack, that's the Hebrew word there for shield. And the buckler is a short shield that straps onto the arm. Now, what's interesting is that same Hebrew word also was used in the Hebrew language to refer to the scaly scale of a crocodile. Tough. 
So that buckler was a short, buried in length shield that stayed here. If a soldier, if the enemy got past the main shield, hand to hand close, this one was too bulky. I needed to protect myself up close, and that's what this one was for. So his faithfulness is my shield against the outside attacks and my shield when Satan gets up close and personal. That's amazing to me. You are my hiding place. You are my shield. You hope in, or I hope in your word. See, I love the word of God because it is a stable. Its stability will guard my soul. It doesn't move under my feet. It stops whatever comes my way. And when Satan gets near to my heart, it's there too. If I will use it. And then we'll talk about the hope part in just a moment. See, I want you to imagine having that kind of stability in your life. But number two, not only does its stability guard my heart and soul, but I love the Word of God because its promise, its promise guards my hope. Look at, Psalm, look at 115 and 116. Depart from me, you evildoers, for I keep your commandments. Uh, the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your word that I may live and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Depart from me, you evildoers. I'm going to keep the word of God. Hold me up according to your word so I can live. Don't let me be ashamed of my hope. What hope? Well, the hope that I have in Christ, of course. I love the word of God because it's promise. What promise? I think one translation says promise there. But what promise? Turn to Hebrews chapter 6. And again, some of you can probably quote it, but Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 19 and 20. And notice how this applies to the other passage or the other uh, point we made too, but Hebrews 6, 19 and 20. We have this as a sure, and you know what's interesting, if you back up to verse 13, all down through verses 13 through 20 of Hebrews 6, the writer is talking about the certainty of God's promise. God's promise to Abraham that we find in Galatians 3 is the promise spiritually to us. Now, I better stop, I'm starting to preach. But look, verse 19, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. We have what? A hope that enters into the inner place, the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having, high pre be, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Notice what it says there. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor, this hope that we've got. Again, that goes back to that stability. But I love the Word of God because its promise guards my hope. It ain't going to move. The promise of God is absolutely firm and sure. Why would I be moved? But it's only if I have a relationship with His Word. Okay, let's look at another one. Um, look with me at 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Forgive me if I'm going too fast. I don't have my phone up here with me, and I'm afraid I'm going to run out of time. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. We're going to start with 3 and 4. Then we're going to drop down. 
Wish we could read it all, but for time's sake, we'll just do this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfailing, reserved or kept in heaven for you. Okay, he said what now? That we're born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. Do you believe Jesus resurrected from the dead? Absolutely. Is, do you have hope in that? He said that you did. But what does this hope do? Where does, from where does this hope come? Well, look at verse 22. Let's drop down now to verse uh, 22. Having purified your souls by the obedience to the truth for a sincere uh, brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. But wait, look at verse 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, You've been born again. Born again through your obedience to the truth, the gospel, that it provides that living hope. Born again to this hope. This hope that comes through the resurrection. That you, Romans 6, you are united with or connected with when you, when you were baptized into Christ. Ah, see how it fits together? I love the Word of God. Because that promise, that promise that he made, I know it's sure, I know it's steadfast, I know it doesn't move, and because of that, it guards my hope. I don't waver in that hope unless I step away from it. Okay. But I love the Word of God because its stability guards my soul and my heart. Its promise guards my hope. And number three, because its guidance guards my soul. Its guidance guards my soul. Tell me what time it is, JT, please. Okay, perfect. Oh, 5.30, okay. Okay, I didn't even hear the first part. Okay, good. Um, number three, because its guidance guards my soul. Okay, now... How many of you have ever gone somewhere and used an old school map to get there? Hey, anybody? Okay. Now, I can't do that. I'm no good at that. I'm sorry. Don't, don't ever. I actually had a group of students from the Memphis School of Preaching that we were traveling. Um, this is not a makeup story. This is a true story. This really happened. That I actually, from the back seat, began to say, you need to pull over. You need to pull over because we are not, we are not where we're supposed to be. Stop. And the one... Okay, remember, I was only 20. Uh, but the person sitting next to me reached over, true story, reached over and went... And I said, oh, never mind. And the driver said, do not let him touch the map anymore. Uh, and they never let me drive either, imagine that. Um, but... Has anybody ever gone somewhere and used a GPS? Okay. Has anyone ever gotten completely and totally lost because the GPS voice had no idea where they were going, apparently? Ah, okay. Guidance is a great thing until it doesn't work. I love the Word of God because its guidance guards my soul. Watch this passage. Hold me up and I shall be safe. 
and I shall observe your statutes continually. Watch what he says. You reject those who stray from your statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. Those who stray, you reject. I love the word of God because when it holds me up, when God holds me up through it, I'm safe. When I observe his statutes through his truth, then I'm going to reject those false GPSs out there. I'm going to, uh, it's going to guard my soul through its guidance. Well, let's think about that. Um, turn to, let's go back to the book of James. Really interesting passages here. I, I love this particular passage. Does the Bible warn us about wandering from the truth? Yes or no? Yes. You reject those who stray from your statutes. I love the Word of God because its guidance will guard my soul, will keep me on the path. I know that's important because in James 1 and verse 16, uh, in fact, let's, let's back up. I want to show you the context here. Uh, verse 12, and we'll read down through verse 16. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which, there's that word again, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. I can actually quote that, but if I try to quote it and look back down, I'll get lost. Um, do not be deceived, my de beloved brethren. Now, I'm not real happy with that translation, but that word, do you know what uh, the King James and the New King James says there? Do not err. Do not err. Do not err. Do not... Okay, now, hold that thought and flip over to James 5 and verse 19. I want to show you The same word, the same Greek word. Then I want to ask you a, uh, I started to say trivia question, but it's not trivia. I want to ask you a question. In James 5 and verse 19. My brothers, if any one of you wanders from the truth. I think uh, King James says errs from the faith, maybe. Uh, and someone brings him back. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sin. If any among you wanders, do not... Uh, who's got a King James or New King James? What does it say? New King James or wander. Wander, does it? Okay. Uh, King James probably says er. The idea of... Uh, does, okay. The idea, same word. Now... I love the Word of God because its guidance will guard my soul and prevent me from doing this. On two separate occasions, we're told, first of all, don't wonder, don't err. And if someone does, somebody go back and get them because you're going to save that person's soul if you bring them back. Okay, now, in order for that to be true, in order for it to be true that if someone wonders from the faith and you... You bring them back and you save their soul. For that to be true, then it would have to be a true statement that in their wandering condition, they are what? Lost. Spiritually lost. Eternally lost. Okay, now, 
this is so interesting to me. This Greek word in both verses, James 1, 16 and James 5, 19. Do not err, do not wander. It's the word, and I'm not trying to uh, um, impress you with Greek, but I want you to, if you hear an English word, I want you to speak it up. It's the word planeo. Planeo, and it means wanderer, to wander off course. Do you hear anything? Did I hear it? Say it. Planet. Did you say planet? Planet. Greek philosophers, or philosophers, Greek astronomers would notice that the stars changed. And they would notice that the heavenly bodies moved. And so they coined a word for that, planeo. The idea of the wandering stars. And later, we took from that the, and, and created a word for what we call those bodies. And we call them planets. Because they move. And so the word literally means when you move from a spot, then you've done this. So James, they understood it. They would get it. Oh, the, if I wander out of my spot then, it's okay for a star to do that. It's okay for a planet to do that because that's how it was made. But if I do that, then I've moved from my course. And if I do that, I'm lost. They would get it. So I love the Word of God because when I follow its guidance, then I will not move from my appointed path. It keeps me on track. But now, let's look at one more. I love the Word of God, the last part of this, the last two verses, because its preparation, its preparation guards my soul. When I look into the Word of God, well, let's notice this. You put away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Okay, stop right there. Dross, interesting word. What is it? What do you think it means? Yes, I don't know who said so, something you skim off. Give me an example. Something you skim off. Interesting. Is there something that you do in some kind of cooking or preserving that you have to get rid of a top layer of something and you don't eat it? Is that true? Uh, you what? What's wrong with foam? Okay, and molasses, is it not good, that stuff on top? No, it's not good? Okay, that's the, that's the idea. Dross is the base metals that mixed in with pure metals, like silver, that when heated and melted, that dross would separate, and they got that out, threw it out. Same, same concept. Why? To keep the pure. It's the same term, uh, refuse. Refuse is a fancy word for garbage. Okay, that garbage you take out, okay? Any husbands in here ever been guilty of not taking the trash out when you were supposed to and it smelled really bad and you got in trouble for it? Okay, Guy and, and me are the only two. Yeah, okay, I see some other folks, their conscience is, <laughs> is getting the best. Okay, yeah. And you get it, right? Get rid of that. Why? Because it isn't any good. You put away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Matthew 13, we won't go there for time's sake, but in Matthew 13, the parable of the tares, he explained the parable of the tares. He said, the field is the world. And uh, the, uh, the keeper is God. 
He who plants, to, that's God. But the tares, that's the wicked one. That's Satan. And the angels will come at judgment and they'll take the good, bind them up and take them. And they'll take the tares, what? Pile them up and burn them. Why? Because they don't have any goodness in them. And you put away the wicked like dross. Therefore, because of that, because of that, because of that. Now look, sometimes I think we live in an age when someone says, now don't be negative about anything. Don't be negative. Okay, I'm not going to be negative. I'm just going to read a verse, though, that says, God puts away the wicked from the earth like dross, and therefore that's why I love your testimonies. Why? Because they keep me pure. And if I'm not pure, there's nothing in me that God can keep. You can't misunderstand that. He said, my flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. There were those who would read that verse and say, Shame on you, God, for being such a bully. What a foolish statement if you were to believe that. That's not a true statement. Why would God, you know, why would I tremble for fear of you? I'm not afraid of God, but I'll tell you what I am afraid of. I'm afraid of being that bundle that God can't keep because there's no goodness in me. And I know God's goodness will not keep, cannot keep, that which is not pure. But praise be, he's given me the way to be pure. Let's look at a verse. Um, turn with me to, okay, well, first of all, Hebrews 10 and verse 31. It is a, say it loud enough for everybody to hear you. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hand of the living God. Now, you say, well, that's a terrible thing. No, it's not. It's a fearful, now, well, to be in that situation would be, but it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living, of the living God. The living God. To fall into his hands. Now, remember, this is the same God who, will, who covered Moses with his hand. The same God that covers us with his pinions, his wings. That same God. But the hand here is the hand that is removing. This is the hand that is, uh, not to sound cute here, but this is the hand that's throwing out the trash. This is the hand that's taking the impurities. Oh. So, my flesh trembles for fear of you and I am afraid of your judgments. Okay, one last verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 10 and 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 10 and 11. Let's go over there. And I hope that I don't uh, bore y'all with my word studies. I love words, especially these words. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 10 and 11, another really cool word, powerful word. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that we may receive the things. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 and 11, yeah. We must all appear before the... You looked at me like, wait a minute, am I quoting the wrong verse? We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that we may receive the things done in the body, right? Whether it be good or bad. We must all appear, and each one, everyone will receive. Okay, now, what does verse 11 say? What did Paul say? Verse 11. 
Knowing the terror of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the terror. We persuade men. We persuade men. Knowing the terror of the Lord. I looked that word up, terror, fear. That word terror there is the word phobos in the Greek. If we were to write it out, it would be P-H-O-B-O-S, phobos. Uh, anybody hear an English word in that? Oh, come on, think about it for a second. Phobia. Ah, the, the English word phobia comes from phobos. Now, okay, I want you to stop and think about that. Before we talk any further about phobia, this word phobos means to be afraid. If you were to write it down, this is what you would write. To be afraid and then put a plus sign. Exceedingly. To be afraid exceedingly. In other words, you take the word to be afraid, the phrase, and you soup it up to the point it's beyond handleable. And that's this word. So a phobia, sometimes we kind of misuse that word. We say, oh, I've got a phobia of cats. Which means I don't like cats. That's not a phobia. If you had a phobia of cats, you would scream in terror every time you saw one. A true phobia... I am so afraid just the thoughts of it. I know someone, and so does uh, Todd, you know someone, that if, uh, if we threw a rubber spider in her office, she might have a heart attack, right? She's that afraid of spiders. I've actually seen this, this lady, and if she finds out I'm talking about her, I guess I'm in trouble. But I saw her one time, I walked around the corner, and she said, don't move, a spider. And she had this can of spray, and she went, and it's just a big white foam. I mean, and I said, okay. And then she said, oh, wait, he moved, and she hit him again. Okay, see, that is that afraid of spiders. That's phobia. At Lads to Leaders, uh, I know people have looked at me strange. Well, I know they have because I've seen them look at me strange. Uh, on the elevator at Nashville, more than once. I would get on, I was the only one. And you know how it is if you're at one of these conventions. By the time you get to the, you know, about the eighth person that got on, I said, wait a minute, y'all got to stop. Let me off. Oh, we're sorry. No, you don't get it. I have to get off or I won't be breathing by the time we get to the lobby. I can't do tight spaces. It's real. Okay, that's a phobia. Now, wait a minute. What does that got to do with any of this? Paul said, I know how absolutely terrifying it's going to be to be in God's hand and look up and be lost. It's going to be so beyond terrifying, I can't let you do that to yourself. I'm going to persuade you if I can at all because it's horrible to be on the wrong side of that day when the reaping is done. Now, if you think about that, go back to what David said. You put away all the wicked from the earth like dross. I know that's coming. I know that's going to happen. I love your testimonies. Therefore, that's why. Because it prepares me for that. It prepares me. And that guards my soul. Because I tremble when I think about, just like Paul, when I think about what it's going to be like to be lost I tremble. Okay. I imagine I'm pretty close. Okay. I appreciate so much you listening tonight. If there are those who need to, um, I almost said respond to the invitation. That's habit. That's preacher habit. 
Um, if those who need to partake of the Lord's Supper, if you'll go to the back, there'll be those, someone there to help you with that. If you are a parent or responsible for someone in class, if you will go get them. And if the rest of you will wait approximately 37 seconds, then you may go. Uh, as long as you speak to someone and tell them how much you care before you leave. So thank you for being here. Uh, you're dismissed. <laughs>